Good luck. Welcome to the second episode of Game and Talk Podcast, the number one podcast on the internet for all things Nintendo related. All the other ones suck. Yeah, I said it. I am RGT85, joined as always by Josie Woe. Josie, how are we doing? So good. So excited to be back for another episode. And we have late, I mean, Nate the Hate with us. Nate, how you feeling? I am feeling hot, sticky, and very humid. <laughs> You're hot, sticky, sweet from your head down to your feet. <laughs> A little, little Def Leppard there for the 40-plus-year-old crowd listening. Which is all of probably two people. It's all, I mean, that's all that listens to it anyways. Um, so we have a show lined up tonight. Um, obviously... It's been a lot of talk about Switch 2 dev kits, so we're going to cover that. But we are going to start out with something that's a new segment that's actually an old segment from the Spawncast, where we talk about what games we have been playing lately, just because, hey, got to fill up the time somehow. So <laughs> I'll start things off because Josie's going to go last because it'll kind of segue into something. Um, I've been playing a lot of AEW Fight Forever on my Switch. I'm already like 35, 40 hours into it. Um finding out more of the little nuances of the game there's actually a lot of moves that are kind of like hidden and aren't described i mean like i said in my review it's an enjoyable game i have fun with it but if people don't like it i can understand it like if you didn't grow up playing the n64 wrestling games and you don't have that sort of nostalgia it kind of misses the mark comparative to what the wwe games are but i think it's a solid foundation that they are going to build upon in time i have good faith to believe that they're going to be adding in more stuff aka i know they're going to be adding in more stuff so over time the game will progress but i think it's a starting out effort you know it's decent and they really capture the essence of all the wrestlers because if you know anything about aew a lot of the wrestlers have their own sort of unique style and they have their own sort of unique moves that you wouldn't necessarily see on a wwe style of programming and I think they really nailed that. It seems like a lot of focus went into that. So that's a positive for me. But, you know, it's a fun game. Uh, Nate, what have you been playing? I have been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 16. I am thoroughly enjoying the game very much right now. I'm nearing the end. I believe I am right at the final boss. But there's a lot of side missions that the game throws at you at the, se at the sequence. So I'm kind of doing the side quests and fleshing out the stories of a lot of the secondary characters that the game has but i am really enjoying it and i actually think sean you would enjoy the game a lot because the boss battles feel like something out of god of war 3 and i know you love that game yeah i i yeah I, I mean i'm interested in it but it's like i know it's it's kind of a longer game so it's like why would i buy it right now at 60 dollars or 70 dollars whatever the hell it is and then you know play it in chunks whereas i'd rather have it an open space to do it and that's when it'll be like black friday for like 30 or 40 bucks like once it gets down to that i'll definitely buy it do you think that it's too easy i know some people on the internets are saying that it was too easy of an experience it is simple in terms of like the combat you are a very powerful character but i feel as though it's kind of ingrained in the narrative because your character of clive is a certified badass he's powerful so he should be making little work of some of these enemies and you could argue that some of the boss battles may be a little streamlined if not scripted to the point where you're not going to lose 
And that's a fair criticism to make. But there are definitely some battles in the game that are challenging that will push you maybe to your limits. You may die once or twice in the game, but generally you're going to go through the game without dying. You run across potions very, very abundantly. Your characters that aren't directly in your party, but they are supporting you in battle, will toss potions at you fairly frequently as well. So you're, not, you're never really in risk of losing your HP during a battle. But I think that's part of the fun where it is more in line with that action RPG opposed to the action turn-based RPGs like you know Final Fantasy VII Remake, where you're just out there, you're annihilating enemies with fast-paced combat, pulling off awesome combos, mix, you know, mixing together the icon abilities because you can customize them. We're trying just to create that ultimate mix of how can you stagger an enemy quick and inflict the most damage. I mean, at this point, I'm inflicting 75,000 points of damage when I stagger an enemy and essentially killing them in less than a minute. But there are like S-ranked hunts in the game where you're fighting badass creatures that will push you and you have to kind of figure out a little bit of strategy of how you want to approach it. So yes, it is easy, but I don't necessarily feel as though it has a negative for this game. Do you think that it's too different though? Because that's another thing that a lot of people are saying that it's it's just it's too different comparative to as a mainline game. Because there's obviously been you know offshoot Final Fantasy games that have been completely different than you know the mainline games. But you know that's that's sort of another thing that a lot of people are saying online that it's just way too different to be a numbered entry in the Final Fantasy series. I think it would depend on your familiarity with the Final Fantasy franchise as a whole and depending on where you were introduced to the series. A lot of people, especially of our generation, likely played Final Fantasy VII as their first game. And the game is very different from you know Final Fantasy VII, VIII, and IX. It's more hearkened to, I don't want to say the original trilogy, but maybe closer to like the Final Fantasy IV, V, and VI. I mean, it still has the crystals. It's a very political game. Yeah, you have, you know, a god seeking all power and stuff, which is kind of a standard in the Final Fantasy games. But I think it has a lot of the core elements that make Final Fantasy Final Fantasy. And it feels as though people are just really using the combat system to say, oh, this isn't a Final Fantasy game in that trite and true way. But Final Fantasy has evolved a lot since the first entry. And I've seen a lot of people say, go back to turn-based. Final Fantasy hasn't been a true turn-based RPG since maybe the first three or four entries because then it made a shift to the action turn-based and an action turn-based isn't traditional turn-based you're not just waiting your turn you can alter how you're going to approach that so i feel this is just a natural evolution for the franchise and we've seen this now several times be it final fantasy 6 7 10 12 13 this is just how a franchise has to grow to cater to a new audience. And I think 16 caters to what the modern gamer would want from an RPG. And, you know, we still have Final Fantasy VII Remake that kind of mix and matches combat systems a little bit. So if that's more your style, you can play Rebirth in, you know, what, about six to eight months likely and enjoy that game. But I think 16 has a lot there going for it that Final Fantasy fans can thoroughly enjoy and will enjoy if they give the game a chance. But Nintendo Switch fans will not enjoy that game because it's not on the platform. Josie, well, what have you been playing? I have been playing a lot of the Nintendo Switch, and sadly, I have experienced a lot of everybody's one-two Switch. What is wrong um, with you? Yeah, no, it was a bad call. 
the thing is, is I was pretty optimistic because I was like, why would they make a sequel and make it bad? But it they did exactly that. And it just, it's literally like a repeat of 1-2-Switch with less mini games. And it's just like, it's just super poorly executed. So I think it could be sort of fun if you have a big, big group. But unfortunately, I didn't want to lose all of my friends. So I just played it with two of them. And... It was just it was just kind of boring. Like the games are very simple, they're very easy, but at the same time it's not something you can like get into a flow of doing like Mario Party where it's consistent or Mario Kart where everybody knows what to do. It's like a ever-changing game where it's always like everybody has to be locked in. And a lot of times when you're hanging out with big groups, I feel like it's very difficult to get everyone into doing the same specific thing and yeah, it's it's very very similar to One Two Switch. I don't recommend getting the game. <laughs> um, Did you try any online stuff? I didn't. I didn't really touch the online yet. I'm I uh, am thinking about it, but the only thing I know about the online is really that you can make your profile pick whatever you want, which is pretty wild. But I'll be using a penis if we play online. Not mine. Good. But what Lord. I'll do is I'll I have two eyes. <laughs> And then a mustache on it, too. So that way you're like, is it? Isn't it? It could be a worm or something like that. Wow. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. It could be a worm. How thin is this thing? Ooh, I mean, there's some <laughs> thick worms out there, sir. And I, I said it wasn't going to be mine. Um, you know, I'm not giving that away for yeah. free. Um, so <laughs> That's on the Patreon. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I just, I yeah, I mean, the, the, the moment... I mean, the the quick turnaround time, the lack of any real promotion, the fact that they had a Nintendo Direct after announcing yeah. it and still didn't show off anything. Like, I, I guess I don't understand. Like, there's been so many games that we know of that have been scratched. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That you, you look at them and you're like, okay, no, this isn't going to do it. But this somehow made it through. They're like, you know what? We, fuck, we got to get this out. Like, <laughs> I don't People I don't, love it. Yeah, yeah. like. I, I don't understand it. And there was a lot of turmoil with the development of the game, correct, Nate? Or alleged turmoil, I should say. Yeah, when the game went through testing, it was very poorly received, but I believe it had the nickname of being horseshit. And <laughs> that kind of led to Nintendo saying, what are we going to do with this game? So there was a lot of discussion whether or not it would be a retail release. Maybe it would be something that they would give as an NSO perk, but then they thought, could this potentially hurt NSO if we give this terrible game away as a perk? And ultimately, yeah, we ended up getting a budget retail release and, you know, watch the game go on to sell 5 million copies because it's a Nintendo published game. People don't know what they're buying. They assume it is quality. It didn't have any launch day reviews. So Nintendo definitely tried to just rush this out the door and hope that people picked it up day one blind. And, you know, we'll probably have a Patreon episode of us playing everybody one to switch and the chaos that will ensue should be quite delightful. I will yeah, say, it's, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I will say that, like, playing it with my friends and stuff, it was sort of fun because, like, we would make jokes about it. But it was not talking positively about it, the game. It was always, like, making jokes about how garbage the game is. Uh, and I, it's just, I will say that I do appreciate that it's $30. Because at least Nintendo didn't decide, hey, $50 one more time. But I don't, I would not even pay that for it. Maybe if it goes on sale for 10 bucks, but. I will say it's times like this 
Well, personally, I miss Nintendo Minute because I would have loved to have seen them hawk this <laughs> piece of shit. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what we've been playing. We're moving on. We have our main topic. And oh boy, is it a doozy. Because if you've been anywhere on the freaking internet, you're seeing it pop up on websites and all your favorite YouTubers are talking about it. Some in a realistic manner, most in a non-realistic manner. But there's rumors out there of a Nintendo Switch 2 development kit and now a backdoor portal for developers on the Nintendo website. So f- first, we'll, t- we'll talk about the development kit because that's kind of the the progress of this story. So a Twitter user by the name of Nash Weedle tweeted out some information that he had heard that a Spaniard... Spaniard? Would that be a Spanish? Spanish. Yeah, but when you say Spanish, I think people think I like the language. Uh, a video game developer in Spain, there we go, uh, had gotten their hands on a Nintendo Switch development kit. Now, who is Nash Weedle? He is someone that said Metroid Dread was being moved, or Metroid Dread was being created for the Nintendo Switch back in 2020. And, of course, that did become a reality, but we'll circle back to that point in just a minute. And so now people are listening to what this person says. They are based in the country of Spain as well. So process of elimination led people to believe that this was another Mercury Steam production because Mercury Steam, of course, is the company that made Metroid Dread for the Nintendo Switch working directly with Nintendo. And guess what? They're located in Spain. So people think that there might be some sort of connection there. And then it pretty much just snowballed out of control from there. So I guess we'll start with this and then move on to the second piece of information. But based on this information, do we think that there is indeed a development kit at Mercury Steam right now? And if we say yes, what does it mean? If we say no, what does it mean? I don't think it's out of the question because obviously Nintendo's working on something new. And it would make sense that they would try to get their more close developers like Mercury Steam, who's developed a lot of the 2D Metroids and stuff, on board quickly and try to try to get that dev kit out to them as fast as possible. I also don't really think that there's the Nintendo Switch 2 is coming out until 2025. It's just a personal opinion. And so I totally think that this could easily just be a stupid rumor that doesn't really matter. And at the baseline, it's not going to affect us for multiple years. Good answer. Good answer. I'm, I'm kind of of that mindset as well. I'm kind of laying the table down for Nate here because he'll obviously have a lot to say because he hasn't mm-hmm. said a lot about it yet. But my mindset is is very similar to that. I mean, could it be maybe does it matter right now? Not really, because, yeah. you know, dev kits at the end of the day, dev kits are, are simply dev kits. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's nice to know if something is out there, but the problem is there's no way for anyone to confirm or deny this statement because Mercury Steam's not going to say shit either way because they're under an NDA. Anyone who would have a perceivable dev kit would have an NDA. So with that being said, none of these companies would say anything. Yeah, you might get a, a low-level employee risking their job, sure, but this early in the stages of things, if, like I said, it is indeed a thing, it, it, I don't think it really matters all that much. And, like, yeah, I guess you can get hyped about it, but I, I, I don't think it 
matters in the grand scheme of things really at all. Nate, what do you know or what have you heard? This is a topic of conversation that one really has to approach with some nuance because there are many layers to it. On the surface, you can say, okay, we have a report or a rumor that's coming out that suggests that a development studio located in Spain is in possession of a Switch 2 development kit. Now, there's nothing there that inherently screams fake or true. Given the timeline and the expectation of hardware, depending on who you ask, you have some still anticipating that the Switch 2 is coming out later this year. You have others believe it will come out this fiscal year, but will launch in the early portion of 2024. While my informed speculation is that it will come out in the holiday of 2024. So now if we use all of those timeframes, we're looking at anywhere between the next four to 16 months. And all of that would fit in that general window of when near finalized development kits would fall into the hands of development partners. So this is kind of one of those bits of information that could it be accurate? Yes. Could it be fake and it's just a safe guess? Also, yes. And it's really hard to discern what exactly this information is at the moment. And as you said, it's not as though the studio who is in possession of it can come out and confirm it nor that can they come out and deny it. And right now the belief is that it could be Mercury system because they are located in Spain. And that's largely speculation on the internet's behalf. Now let's say it is them. You made Metroid Dread. The odds of them making another Metroid game for Nintendo are fairly high. So if you're Nintendo, you definitely want a partner like them to have early access to near finalized silicon of your upcoming system as soon as you can get it to them so they can begin to you know, develop the game for that platform and make sure you're using all the features that the hardware will introduce when it comes to market whenever that time is. Now, my hesitation with the information is that it's only been mentioned by one account. There's been no real further backing of it. Yes, there was a Brazilian journalist who has said that they have been able to independently verify this information, but we haven't seen an expansion on that. We haven't had mentions of, oh, there's other studios in Europe who have the dev kit, or there's other partners in Japan, North America, and you know other regions that have had access to this. And that would, brings me just a little bit of pause. But it goes back to that first point. We're well within the window of development studios likely getting access to dev kits for this new hardware. And with Gamescom and Tokyo Game Show coming up in just a couple of months, I do suspect we will begin to see leaks and reports come out as the year advances. Probably around September, I wouldn't be too surprised if you see a report from a major outlet be published only because with Tokyo Game Show, it's an industry event. You're going to have a lot of companies in person meeting with people. Business meetings will be taking place with Nintendo and partners. So if there's information that is circulating in the industry, that chatter is going to become quite significant and loud. And that will lead to leaks and conversations between development partners, journalists, and such. And you'll likely get a report out around then. As long as the development kit distribution has hit a high point, 
if it's still very limited and only to select partners, they may be a bit cautious to run a report only because the amount of people with access is going to be the few, which means Nintendo could easily trace that information. So right now, I think the claim itself, I approach with some caution, but the but the possibility of it being accurate, I do think weighs on the higher end of things, but strictly due to that time frame. So it's one of those things you kind of have to take it for what it's worth, but look at how the industry works and say, this is well within reason, even if the information itself may not be 100% accurate. Yeah, that's kind of kind of my thing. One of my hesitations is everyone's like, oh, well, he he said Metroid Dread, you know, and that no one expected Metroid Dread. It's like, oh, well, really? Because, I mean, there was how long were there rumors that a 2D Metroid was in development for the Switch? Metroid Dread isn't exactly a brand new title that hasn't been thrown around since the, you know, Nintendo DS era. Oh, wait, it was that that's been a thing since the DS. So to me, that just like, yes, it was, I mean, yes, technically he was correct, but it feels like a very safe guess. You know what I'm saying? And then let's say the 2D Metroid does come out and then it wasn't named Metroid Dread. Oh, well, that was the code name for it. You know, that was the code name for it. They changed it at the last minute and then you still save face. So that's kind of one of my hesitations with it. But yeah, you're right. Like, I, there's no way to confirm nor deny it so you can only speculate on it and right sh- sure like i i think a lot of us are anticipating a 2024 thing but i have to ask why did that mean july that's been a question that's been baffling me now for the last several weeks where everyone's been holding on to this belief that this has to be announced in july and i think it just comes back to when Jeff Grubb had just mentioned that he was hearing at the time that there was going to be nothing in June in terms of a direct, but there was that possibility of maybe something Nintendo related in July. And I think people are clinging to that piece of information as, oh, something's coming in July because Grubb had mentioned that. And I think it's just a situation of maybe Grubb's source at the time had confused June and July for the direct, and they just got the information wrong. So instead of holding on to maybe something's coming in July for hardware, maybe it just comes down to the simple fact of his contact was wrong about the timing of the direct. And in fact, it took place in June and not July and nothing is coming in July in terms of a major presentation from Nintendo. And that's not me saying that there will not be anything. There could be. I'm just saying that it feels as though the expectation of July may lie and rest with that bit of information because otherwise the only thing that's happened in july is yeah a couple of years ago the oled was announced in july so maybe people are thinking nintendo is going to repeat that cycle and announce brand new hardware in july because they had done it in the past with a minor revision but there's really nothing to suggest at the moment that nintendo is preparing a major new hardware announcement this month that kind of parlays into my next question on a scale of one to a hundred, what do you think the probability is of them, of this potentially still coming out this year based on what we saw at the direct, the type of software that we saw at that presentation, one to 100, where are we standing on the system coming out this year? I'm at 5%. Yeah. I'll get you there with like a seven. This year, I, I come in at zero. 
Oh, wow. Zero. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so bizarre to me to see all these videos pop up. Even still to this day, it's like, oh, 2023 is still on the table. Gamescom. It's, it could be at Gamescom. <laughs> when, when was the last time, like, anything happened at Gamescom? Like, Nintendo I, doesn't even show software there. Hardware is crazy. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I understand the OLED, but that was in a different world. That was in a pandemic world. Everything was very different around those times. You're not, I, I just don't foresee a company saying we're not doing anything this year. And they have lied before. That's well documented. But we're talking to shareholders here. You know, lying to IGN like Reggie did about the new 3DS XL and the next day it was announced. That's a little bit different than lying to your shareholders who, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll want your head for that sort of situation. So. It's yeah, it's I mean, it's obviously it's not going to stop anytime soon. I've already have people asking me to make another disease video, but this time about <laughs> this. But it's just like, I I don't know. It's it's so crazy. And then, of course, um, we had an update to this whole thing where supposedly on the Nintendo developers back end, there was an update to the uh, systems that you can uh you know, develop games for an NX two was above Nintendo switch. There's an image floating around about this. And so many people, so many people fell for it without using their brain because we know that the Nintendo switch was codenamed the Nintendo NX. So I guess going on the assumption that this is the switch Two, which they haven't done a direct real successor, you know, well, that's a topic for another day. Um, but that's the mindset is that it's a, it's a switch to, so it's the NX two. So this has to be real, even though every single Nintendo system has always had a different code name, Dolphin, Revolution, all these different names. But now all of a sudden they're going in alphabetical just sequencing and just throwing a two on the end of it what what do we think about this this image and this information that's floating out there i think it's crazy i don't there's anyone can come up with the nx2 that's not a special name to come up with and like you said nintendo's always had those code names and i really don't think that even the switch is gonna like the next whatever successor it is I really doubt that it's going to be a numbered system. They've stayed away from that for all of their history, like, ever. So it just fully doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it's just some some guy got creative with Photoshop. I don't think it's something crazy. Yeah, the image is something that you can easily recreate with Inspect on, like, Google Chrome. And... There was really nothing about the image that I would look at and say, wow, this has to be real. There was no context provided. There was no source provided as to the origin of the image. It wasn't as though this was presented with a backstory that would be able to give you some benefit of doubt that maybe it's legit. It's just an image devoid of context and people took it and run. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, the dev kit claim itself. When you have nothing to lose, you can make any claim you want because maybe people aren't going to take you seriously, but if it sticks, then you get that attention. But if it doesn't stick, nobody's going to remember you made the claim. So when you have nothing to lose, you can say anything. And then 
come back to it and say, oh, look, I was right. And then people pay attention to you. And that's what this image kind of was saying to me. It just didn't have anyone to attach to at the moment. But isn't the timing a little bit convenient that as soon as you have a claim of a Spanish studio having a development kit, all of a sudden this image just appears online randomly? Well, no. I mean, obviously, it's it's just someone trying to, you know, roll on the hype wagon of potential misinformation by having their own misinformation because, you know, eventually people that because so, let's say, you know, let's say something happens. OK, well, then I'm right. Let's say nothing happens. Well, that's OK. Everyone's going to forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like you said, there's 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 really nothing to lose. But, yeah, I, I think the whole thing is just. I think it's it's completely fake. There's there's nothing to lead me to believe that it would be real. So and and why has nobody and much like the uh the story of the dev kit, why has nobody come out and you know collaborated with it and said, "Okay, yeah, this is the thing. I also saw this too. I heard this too. Like this is the one person in the entire world who happened to see it at the right time." And so, yeah, it has to be real. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And that'd be one of the things, you know, another a journalist out there, be it whoever, you know, Jason Schreier, IGN, GameSpot, Game Informer, Eurogamer, whomever you choose, would be able to get in contact with some of their development sources and say, hey, is this appearing for you on the development portal site? And easily come out and say, okay, now we got a report. They're, they are seeing it. So we can confirm this. It's one of those things that it's not really worth them coming out to deconfirm because it's ultimately nothing. If the story, if the rumor is nothing, you're not going to make a report to say what you saw is nothing. So people will say, well, how come they haven't deconfirmed it? Because there's nothing to deconfirm. Right. It, it boils the, the person making the claim should be the one having to prove the claim, not someone right. to come along and deny the claim. Like you, you made the claim, you made this a thing. It's your responsibility. Right. The burden yeah. of proof is on whoever created the image or shared the image. And a lot of times I feel like these have to be corroborated in order to take them seriously. Like it's the same with a Nintendo Direct. A Nintendo Direct gets leaked, then a couple people confirm it, and then you'll take it more seriously because that's consistent information that a, a few different sources have. But like you guys said, coming from one person and something as easily made up as NX2 holds not a lot of weight in my opinion right and i mean i guess that that kind of circles around to the final thing i wanted to talk about nx2 the whole assumption of this system is that it's going to be i mean because if you hear the name nx2 you would assume what it's a it's another switch but more powerful and that seems to be the strongest assumption that everyone has with this system even though if you look for clues and context, Nintendo always likes to use the word unique and, you know, we want a unique gaming experience. So I ask the esteemed panel this, do we think that this is indeed going to be the system that everyone claims they want just a stronger system with full backwards compatibility, or do we think it's a brand new idea, a brand new concept? I think you can do brand new idea, brand new concept, like from the DS to 3DS. And I see something like that happening where it stays similar form factor wise, but there's some brand new big gimmick. And I don't think there's any way that it is a Nintendo Switch 
that's just more powerful because Nintendo always has to put some spin on it to make that stand out amongst their consoles. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's going to share the form factor. I believe it will still retain that hybrid element, but it's not going to be a Switch 2 in the sense that we see PlayStation evolve its systems with just an iterative successor Mm -hmm. that builds off what was already there in terms of a foundation. Nintendo's going to come up with some unique gimmick be it the controller or something, that's going to differentiate what this next-gen successor from the current Switch. And that's what we expect from Nintendo. We have seen how Nintendo evolves the system dating back to when we were children. We know that they always like to do something new. And that's where I would rather operate under the assumption that Nintendo is going to go some radical route that it's not going to have you know, the basic features that we expect, like backwards compatibility. It's not going to have Joy-Con compatibility. It's going to come up with new controllers. We're going to have to do all our games again. And the only thing that will transfer is our NSO account with the NSO games, because Nintendo will ensure that Game Boy, N64, all those platforms will move forward because they have to provide incentive to keep you subscribed. You're not going to wait for these to roll out again. Then to operate under the assumption that we're going to get all those features and then be disappointed if we don't. I'd rather go in expecting nothing and being happy that we get them than to expect mm-hmm. them and then not get them. See, my big hang-up is the cartridge format. Games aren't getting any smaller. These cartridges haven't, at least in, in my eyes, they haven't gotten cheaper. Like, you know, usually look at like the N64. When the games first came out, they were hella expensive. And then as time went on, you ended up ended up with budget titles for the system that came out, you know, new at a lower price point, not the $75 thing. But if anything, it seems like the cartridge prices have just stayed completely stagnant throughout this entire generation, which if that's the case, are we really going to move to a, a new platform with the same cartridges so that we are backwards compatible, but we're also having all these new games because then we would just be in a situation where companies are either, you know, skipping the system completely or you're having to download everything, which, I mean, there are a good plentiful amount of games that do that, but there are also lots of games that don't do that. And I feel like just the amount of stuff you would have to download would be so much larger. Uh, Like take Warzone, for instance, you know, they're talking about, you know, putting Call of Duty, putting Warzone on a, a Switch or whatever next Nintendo system is you're not fitting that on a cartridge. Like you would have to have some storage medium on there, maybe an SSD or something. And SSD prices are coming down a bit to where you could do something like that. But this is Nintendo. And I I don't, you know, do they even know what the hell an SSD is? Like, you know, if it's not something huge in Japan, I feel like, I don't know. There's just a little bit of a disconnect at times. So that's my big problem when everyone says, Oh, well, it's going to be backwards compatible. Of course it is. It's like, really? Because that cartridge thing, and yes, there was a different, there was a difference between the DS and the 3DS cartridges. I know people in the comments are going to say that. These were games, look at, look at the handheld games throughout time for Nintendo. Show me one that was ever above $40 MSRP. Thank you. I rest my case. Those cartridges were cheap. 
no matter the platform, <laughs> no matter from the Game Boy to the 3DS, those cartridges were cheap. That's how the games were only $40. Like you had some big budget titles on those systems. You had games that were trying to push those systems to their limits in terms of technology. Uh, you know, the freaking the 3D games on the Game Boy Advance. Um, what was that? Um, Cop, Cop the Recruit on the Nintendo DS, which tried to emulate like a, an open style GTA game or, or Vice or uh, Liberty City Stories. Like companies tried some crazy stuff on there, but those games were always $40. I just feel like that cartridge based medium, because it, it's either going to go one or two ways. If it is completely backwards compatible, it's going to use the same cartridges and we're going to be in a situation where we're downloading 90% of literally everything because I don't feel like companies are going to want to have to compress the hell out of everything to fit it on a cartridge. I feel like they're just going to be like, screw it. Let's just go. You know, it's worked for other companies. It's worked for, you know, um, uh, the Ed Boon studio. The name escapes me right now, but Mortal Kombat 1, that's a $70 Nintendo Switch game. And you're not getting dick on that cartridge. That cartridge is just a medium for you to download that game. Or it's a completely different type of, of physical media. Or I guess maybe it's not physical media at all. See, I mean, that's the thing with the backwards compatibility topic where people refer to the leaked SOC saying, okay, well, everything here suggests that NVIDIA and Nintendo can build something that will ensure that we have native backwards compatibility. But the question that never comes up is, does Nintendo want us to have native no. backwards compatibility? I mean, no, and, they want to make money. Right. And to like Sean's point with the game card, let's say Nintendo does come up with a new game card solution. And let's say the read speed is different. And the slot that is there isn't compatible with the current cartridges because you need a faster read speed to take the data off these brand new cutting edge technology game cards. All of a sudden, it's not a, it's not a matter of the SOC can't do backwards compatibility. It's, a, it's just a matter of the means in which it's going to be read may not be compatible. So maybe we get digital backwards compatibility, which I would imagine would, you know, will upset many people because great, now my physical media doesn't work on this future system, but and I didn't invest in a digital platform, so all the games I bought are now, you know, useless. So there's a lot of variance of how backwards compatibility could be achieved, but there's also a lot of variance in how backwards compatibility may not simply be feasible due to a decision Nintendo makes in terms of technology, be it the game card or whatever you want to choose from. And I think one thing um, that everyone needs to keep in mind with this is what is the one thing, because we don't know really anything about President Furukara, but what's the one thing that we always hear about him? He's a businessman, right? That's what everyone says. So, you know, he's focused on the business side of things. If I'm the president of Nintendo, and I'm a businessman, and I'm looking, I'm looking at the next generation, I'm looking at this, that, or the other, all I have to do is take a look at what is the best-selling Nintendo Switch game of all time <laughs> that nothing will ever catch up to, one of the best, highest-selling games of all time, and I would say, you know what? They'll rebuy it. Put, put a little more polish on it. Maybe throw some DLC on there. They'll rebuy it. Because Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, nothing, nothing comes close to that. That's a, it's a Wii U game. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, if I'm speaking from a business perspective, oh, no, you're not getting backwards compatibility. Sorry. 
We couldn't do it. We tried. You know, we we gave it an honest effort, but we just couldn't do it. But hey, we have these deluxe versions of our games, which now feature DLSS technology or something to make them look even better. And what's going to happen? People are going to gobble it up. People bought Wii U games on the Switch for more than they released on the Wii, on the Wii U, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. You paid you paid ten dollars more for Funky Kong to tell you, hey, you suck at life and you can't play this game. Like, dude, I, and and the thing of it is, I think they could get away with it. I think they could get away with it, and I think the proof is with some of these these re-release titles. Oh, they did it because the Wii U didn't sell. Mm-hmm. You see, like I hate to agree with you on it. But from that business standpoint, I do agree and I see where you're coming from. Because if I'm Nintendo, here's our next-gen successor. I don't want you playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate anymore. I don't want you playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe anymore with all those tracks. I want you to buy the next Mario Kart. I want you to buy the new Smash Bros. game. And the best way I can ensure you do that is by depriving you access to those games on that platform. And that is dirty pool and I'm not saying that will happen, but as a businessman, isn't that something you would almost want to make yeah. you say, you can't play it anymore. You have to buy new. And here's the thing. They already have it set up. If you think about it, they already have it set up to where they could re-release a lot. You could re-release Breath of the Wild with all the DLC included. You release Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Super Edition with all the new tracks and all the new characters that previously you had to download. Oh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate? Well, we have the real Ultimate version on the Nintendo Switch 2 with all the downloadable (laughs) characters on it, plus one new mode. Like, bro, they literally planted the seeds this generation with shit like uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Throw on, you know, an extra a couple hour campaign and then people rebought it then people rebought new super mario brothers u deluxe which nobody should have bought in the first place <laughs> at 60 dollars. <laughs> whoa super luigi u was good at least yeah it was all right but i don't know josie what do you think i think i of course would like them to be backwards compatible and if you look at their track record they they are like their handhelds always backwards compatible as long as long as they're like the same format. And even when they're not like going from GBA to DS, the DS Lite still had the GBA port and then GameCube and Wii and Wii and Wii U. And I think the thing that held them up with the Switch from doing it was the change in format. Um, But like you guys are saying, a business perspective is not to do that so that you could just capitalize the most off of everything. But I think it'd be a major loss for fans if they were to do that. It just because so many people have invested so much into the Switch ecosystem that if they were just like, screw you guys, buy it again, we'd do it, but, but it'd cause a lot. To that I say, well, nobody's forcing you to get rid of your Switch. Right. You know, you still, if, if you bought Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on the Nintendo Switch, I'm not taking away that experience from you. All I'm offering is a new better experience with everything included dlc wise on our new physical medium for this new system so you can't play your old cartridge on this 
but you could still play your old cartridge on your old system. What's what's the big deal? It's just like right, but that's like hunking out the Wii U when you already have the Switch. You know, it just feels bad. <laughs> like, don't want to do it. Yeah, I I mean, no. From a consumer standpoint, of course, I right. I, I want it. I uh, really just give me a more powerful Switch. Don't even. I don't need gimmicks. I don't need any of that shit. Just just give me more power and let me play my old games. Maybe you know, take a page out of Xbox's stuff and learn how to enhance them instead of just reselling them. But that's a double-edged sword with Nintendo because everyone likes, oh, look at what Microsoft did. Microsoft had to do that. Microsoft <laughs> has to do stuff to bend over. Do you see these FTC things? They're literally on their hands and knees crying, talking about how they're in third place and woe is me and we need Activision. It's like, holy shit, have some dignity with this. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Yeah. You also mentioned that the DS cartridge and the 3DS cartridge, you said they're different. Is that what you said? Well, no. Oh, I mean, they're the they, same they, cartridge? No, they're, they're slightly different, I believe. Like, okay. Because, I mean, you, well, can't play, you can't play right. a 3DS game on a DS. Right. Well, I'm wondering if that's what they do with the Switch. Like, they, they may find a way to make, like, the next Switch. Find the way to make the cartridge cheaper while it still works. I mean, if they actually care and they want to make this consumer friendly, I think that's the route to go. Of course, it's still Nintendo and the guy's a businessman, so we never really know, but And I mean, look at look at Tears of the Kingdom. They charge you $70 for it. Why? Cuz they needed a bigger cartridge, that their own proprietary cartridge and they finally had to go above 16 gigs and they were like, "Wait a minute. These are expensive." <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, they could have given us it at 60 and they could have just taken that little financial hit, but they know people were going to spend $70 without question. And Nintendo said that works better for us. So what yeah, did we that's learn the, today? Oh, yeah. right, go ahead. I was going to say, that's the other thing. Do you think that like with the next generation, Nintendo's going to start charging $70 for all their games? All of them? No, but some of them, yes. Okay. For sure. I mean, the the, the groundwork. Like, you is think the there. next three D Mario comes out in that seventy dollars, or do you think they're gonna stick yeah. with like a more hundred percent, hundred percent seventy dollars, and then we'll get like Sushi Striker two, and that'll be forty <laughs> For like, bucks. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll still be there. Be varying prices of games, but no, there's definitely the seventy dollar thing was a test, and right. from a business perspective, it went swimmingly well. So, what did we learn today? Well, the future of Nintendo. And their foreseeable potential problems, if they do come to fruition, if there is no backwards compatibility, if we do have to repurchase games, and if there are a lot of $70 games, it's your fault, listeners. It's all your <laughs> fault for buying up all those games. Well, this was... I mean, tank them like Xbox. Right. All right. So this was episode two of Game and Talk. I said it right both times. I am RGT85. Josie, say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Josie Will. And Nate the Hate. Thank you for listening to episode two. As we promised in the first episode, we ironed out some of the issues and we delivered a more quality episode this time. So keep on listening and thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Give us your money. All right. Thank you, everyone. We'll <laughs> see you next time.